The title of the message tonight is called Superficial Saints. Superficial Saints. So what does the word superficial mean? Well, it means being at, on or near the surface. For example, a superficial wound. It also means of or relating to the surface, a superficial measurement. It means external or outward, a superficial resemblance. It means concerned with or comprehending only what is on the surface or obvious, a superficial observer. It means shallow, not profound or thorough, a superficial writer. And the last one is that it means apparent rather than real. Superficial, the word superficial is all about the surface, about shallowness, about the exterior, about the visual appearance, what something appears to be rather than what it actually is. It's only about what is on top, only judging anything by first impressions rather than looking into anything further or deeper, rather than what the actual reality is or looking deeper into the reasons or intentions that lie behind something. It's superficial. It's on the top. It's on the surface. It's what appears obvious at the time. So much of this world is about the superficial. When you look into it, it really is. Beauty pageants like Miss Universe or Miss America or Miss Australia and those kind of things are all about the superficial. They give a tip of the hat to trying to go a little deeper by by attempting to find beauty in other areas other than just the physical appearance. But those attempts are also shallow and easily enough faked by the contestants, meaning that it's all about who appears to be the best in those areas anyway. It's really all about the appearance, whichever way you look at it. Job interviews are also flawed. It should always be about getting the best person for the position. But it often comes down to whoever can make themselves appear to be the best candidate. Whoever can make the biggest impression on the recruiters at the time. I was once um, told a, a, a true story about a person who was called into a job interview. Um, he didn't have any resumes on him at the time. He... Um, he, by chance, had a suit with him in the car. And they called him immediately. There was no time to, to get resumes made. There was no time for preparation. So he went in to the job. And he, he had some pieces of paper, blank pieces of paper. And he, he just wrote down two words on each one. Um, he wrote the best. And so he went into the interview. And, and, uh, and they asked him for his resume. And... Well, he said, well, you know, I had no time to prepare. You called me straight in. I was, I was just fortunate that I only had, that I actually had a suit with me at, at the time. And he, he gave them the resumes. He said, he said uh, I believe that when you hire me, that I'm the best, that you will be getting the best. You'll be getting the best bang for your, for your buck, you, that you'll be getting the best candidate the best candidate for this position. And so the, the interview went on and, and uh, it ended up, once they looked at all of the candidates, that he got the job. He didn't have a resume and he also wasn't qualified for the job. He had none of the qualifications that they had asked for in the advertisement. 
And, but he made a big impression on them by the way that he approached the interview. And I know that if I had had all the qualifications and I had been going to that interview and, and I found out that, you know, someone who didn't have the qualifications had got the job, I would, would be a bit miffed, I think. Um, simply because that's what it should be about. But it's really about who can make the most impression, the biggest impression on the recruiters. To this world, what is on the surface matters more than what is deep down beneath. People who have expensive cars, houses, boats, yachts are considered to be successful by almost everybody. It doesn't matter that they've put down a third mortgage and are drowning in debt to do that, but they appear to be rich. That is, is what matters, and therefore they are rich in many, even most, people's eyes. When it comes to the church, God is way, way, way more interested in what is beneath the surface than what is above it. Even in the Old Testament, God made this very clear. In fact, we can go all the way back to the beginning of time, to Adam and Eve and their children, Abel and Cain. They both brought a sacrifice. God had, had uh, let them know what they needed to do. They needed to sacrifice to please God. And they both brought a sacrifice. But Cain brought a good sacrifice, but it wasn't what God wanted. He, he decided to appear as though he was giving what God wanted. He, he chose the superficial. He chose to appear as though what he was doing was honoring God, but he wasn't following God's instructions. He wasn't interested in doing what God had actually told them to do. And the Bible says that God didn't honor Cain's sacrifice. And that led one thing to another. He got bitterness and hate in his heart, and he murdered his brother all because he wanted to appear as though he was righteous. He, he wanted to appear as though he was doing the right thing. He was giving a tip of the hat, saying, yeah, God wants sacrifice, so I'll sacrifice. I'll give the best of, of what I think I should bring. But it wasn't what God wanted him to bring. In the book of First Samuel, God had rejected Saul from being king. And God, um, very soon afterwards, uh, God spoke to Samuel and said to go down to, uh, to Jesse and to call a sacrifice and to have and to anoint one of his sons as being king. And so Samuel went down and he obeyed the Lord and he, he, he uh, went to bring the sacrifice, um, arrange the sacrifice, and it says in First Samuel 16:5, and he said that he, he came peaceably. Um, people were very afraid of the prophet of God coming down because they could uh, pronounce judgment from the Lord. But he said, he came peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. 
And then in the next verse it says, And it came to pass when they were come, that he, being Samuel, looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. That's the way the Lord has always dealt with man and with mankind. We look on the outward appearance, and so often we make judgments. So often we we decide that this is a good person or a bad person just because of the way that they look. Eliab looked good on the outside. He looked like a king in the making. He may have even already looked like a king. He may have had a regal posture. He may have, have had the bearing of a king. But God knew that beyond that regal exterior, Eliab's heart wasn't what it should have been. And he had been rejected from being king because of that. What about the New Testament? John chapter 7 and verse 21, it talks about, well, Jesus had just done a miracle on the Sabbath day. And there was a bit of resentment towards him because of that. Because they saw it as, as working, as doing uh, work which was forbidden on the Sabbath. But they were looking at it from the wrong perspective. They were looking at it from the appearance rather than what it actually was. Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work, and ye all marvel. Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers, and ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. He's saying, you do that bit of work on the Sabbath day, because it is, is, is of the law. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? And then Jesus says something profound. He says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. It's all about righteousness. It's all about dividing things correctly, about looking at things in the right way. Not what they appear to, to do or what they appear to break, but to judge righteously. In Luke chapter 11, verse 37, And as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him. That's talking about Jesus um, speaking. And he went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. It was a custom, a tradition that they always washed before dinner. They, they need, it was, cause it was a lot to do with cleanliness and, 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 in, and about not spreading germs and not getting sick. But Jesus chose not to do what was normally traditionally done. And the Pharisee marveled that a man like Jesus would not do this thing. And then it says, And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean outside of the cup and the platter. You make the outside of yourselves clean. You, you clean your hands. You clean your feet. You, you make yourself look good on the outside, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Jesus looked completely past the traditions, completely past what was on the outside, how good they made themselves look to other people, and he looked down into their heart, what was actually inside of them. 
He says, "You fools, did not he that made which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you." See, they're only concerned about themselves. They're only concerned about what men could could give them in in honor, in in lifting them themselves up. But they weren't concerned about helping others. They weren't concerned about helping the poor, which was a commandment given to them in the law. But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. They did everything in the Lord down to the very minutest degree. They made sure that they crossed all of their T's. They dotted their I's. They did everything down to the very smallest detail, but they just decided not to judge rightly. They decided not to to love people, not to show the love of God to people. They were cruel. They, in other places, it talks about them them uh, uh, taking away widows' houses and 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 doing all sorts of cruel things because they had no love in them. They didn't have the love of God in them, but they were only concerned with how they looked and what they could get for themselves. He said, these ought ye to have done. Yes, you should have done what the law commanded, but you don't leave the other undone. You shouldn't have left the other undone. He said, woe unto you, Pharisees, for you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues, where you can look your greatest, the grandest, where you can look like you're someone that, that is important and big and, and great and greetings in the markets. You love people to come up to you and, and say, hi, oh, Rabbi, yes, um, great day, great day. You want people to acknowledge your existence, but there's something inside that is wrong. There's something inside that's causing you to be rejected of God. It says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not. Jesus didn't hold anything back. And the men that walk over them are not aware of them. They hid their their carnality. They hid everything that was wrong with them down deep inside. They didn't show it out. On the outside, they looked perfect. On the outside, they looked righteous. On the outside, they looked like everything that they should be in following the law and the word of God. But there were graves. They were dead inside, Jesus was saying. There's, there's no life. There's nothing spiritual in there whatsoever. Just something that is going to be judged. And then in the time of the church, 2 Corinthians 5 and 12 says, For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. Paul was talking against the appearance. Don't, don't glory in the way that you look. Don't glory in how you appear to other people. It's what's in the heart that counts. It's what's inside that counts. Second Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It's not about the outside. It's not about the exterior. It's not about the appearance. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what's inside. That is what what we think on. That is something that's inside. That's something that God cares about where we're at. 
And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And then it says, do you look on things after the outward appearance? Do you? If any man trusts in himself that he is Christ's, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. He's saying, don't look at things after the outward appearance. It's what's inside that counts. In Second Timothy 3, it talks about, in the last days, perilous times coming. It talks about men being lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to the parents, and the list goes on and on and on. And then it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. You can have a form of godliness. You can look good. You can look like you're all there. You can look like that you're uh, a saint, a sanctified saint. You can look like that you're in the right place with God. But if you don't have what God needs to have inside, then, then you don't have the power. You don't have God with you. You don't have what you need to get you to heaven. So what about us when we look at ourselves? If you feel like you need to put on a show to make everyone else believe that you're spiritual or right with God, then you're a superficial saint. It's as simple as that. Following God has never been about how you look. Following God has never been about putting on a show. Following God has never been about looking like you're close with God, about looking like you're in the right place with God. God isn't concerned about what you look at like on the outside. God isn't concerned about how much, um, how much, uh, what tie you put on or, or what suit you put on. That has to be the very best. That's just the stuff on the outside. God cares about what is in the heart. God cares about where you are inside. That is the only thing that he cares about. If the outside needs to be changed, you change the inside and the outside will change along with it because it's what comes from your heart. You see, if you just put on a show, there's no substance beneath. There's, there's nothing to hold you up. And the worst part is that there's nothing to keep you tied to Jesus or the church when trials and tribulations come. You will fall away, you will backslide because you are just a hollow shell. You're just an outside, you're an exterior. There's nothing, there's no substance inside. If you don't pray consistently, then you're a superficial saint. You can come to church, you can, you can worship God with all of your heart, but if you don't pray, then you don't have a relationship with God. That's what he cares about. He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to know what you like inside. He wants you to pour out what's inside and let him know and say, God, I need help in this area. He wants to change you. He wants you to be more like him. But if you don't pray to him, then how can he change you? If you don't have that connection with God, then it's just a superficial faith. If you don't read the Bible consistently then you're a superficial saint. God speaks to you through his word. God is able to talk to you. And when you're praying as well, then God can, can, can do a greater work in you. He can change you. He can, his word is alive. His word can, can make 
changes in you that you cannot possibly make yourself. One of the best ways, especially if you're new in God, is to have a daily reading plan, like reading the Bible in an entire year and sticking to it, and then catching up when necessary. Yeah, life gets in the way sometimes. It may not always be possible to read the Bible every single day, but you catch up. If you, if you do miss something, if life gets in the way, then don't just give up. You keep reading, you keep going, you keep sticking to it, you keep doing it day by day by day, and then you'll see the benefits. You will see God working in your life. If you don't apply the preaching and teaching you hear over the pulpit to your life, then you are a superficial saint. What are you here for if, if you don't hear the Word of God? This is the place where God changes lives. This is the place where God changes hearts. This is the place where God can speak directly to your heart. And it can be like a piercing jab. It can be God going straight to the very heart of where you're hurting or where you need him the most but if you just put it aside you say well not today i'm not interested today that's that's too painful or whatever excuse you may have then that's just the superficial that's just hearing that's not doing what we need to do bible says in james chapter 1 verse 22 but be doers of the word and not hearers only Deceiving your own selves. If you just hear the word of God and you don't apply it to your life, if you, if you just hear and say, well, that was nice, then you're just deceiving your own self. When God is speaking to you, when he wants to draw you to himself, when he wants to make you like himself, then we need to not just hear, but we need to act on what we hear as well. If, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. In the church, God confronts us sometimes with, with who we truly are. It's like looking into a mirror and seeing ourselves as we truly are without all of, all of our excuses, without all of what we think we are. God can, can bring ourselves and, and, and let us see just who we truly are. But if we just go away and don't let him change us, then we forget. Then we just go back to being who we were before. It's what is on the inside that counts. And if we are not constantly being challenged and matched back to the word of God, then we will stagnate inside. Like dead kangaroos on the side of the road, they can just look like they're sleeping when they first get killed. But give them a day and they're stiff and bloated because the deadness inside can no longer be hidden. It gets worse and worse until it's visible to everybody. And it's the same way with us. When we're dead inside, we can hide it for a time, but deadness inside it just gets worse and worse it it snowballs and eventually it comes out and it's obvious to everybody we can think that our stubbornness and our rebellion 
are hidden underneath. That we're all right. That nobody knows. Only God knows. And, well, we mustn't be talking to him much because we're refusing to do anything about it. You can hide it down inside. I think sometimes people think they can even hide it from God. We can think that our stubbornness and rebellion are hidden underneath. But when you're stagnated and you're dead spiritually, the truth will be revealed. It will no longer be able to be hidden. And like Brother Simon talked about this morning, saints who live in sin are superficial saints. In fact, they're not saints at all, only in appearance. You see, a saint is somebody who is sanctified or set apart to live their lives for God. And you can't live for God if you're living for the devil. So just like we learned about this morning, sin is not an option for the people of God. See, Jesus wasn't superficial in anything that he did. The Bible said that there was nothing special about him on the outside, that men would flock to him, that men would want to be with him, that men would, would want to, well, that, that men would want to, to flock to him and hear what he had to say. But it was the words that he spoke. It was what was inside him. It was who that was inside him that made the difference. And Jesus didn't hold back in what he spoke to others. Jesus gave the commandments of God. Jesus gave the words of life to anyone who would listen to him. And when it came time to do what he came to this earth to do, he didn't hold back either. He, he was all in. He gave his life so that you and I could live. There was nothing superficial about Jesus. And the Apostle Paul was also not a superficial saint. He had substance. If he didn't have substance, he would never have been able to bear the constant trials and tribulations that he faced. In 2 Corinthians 11.23, Paul talks about these. Uh, there were people in the church who were lifting themselves up and saying that they were ministers of Christ, that they were... They were better than Paul. And he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul had a lot of things that he had to deal with and contend with. But those were the things that were a mark of his walk with God. He was a true minister. He was a true apostle. He was someone who gave his life for the ministry. There was nothing superficial about him. He endured huge things. And sometimes I think that the things that we endure that we feel like giving up over, they're nothing, really. When we look at it, they're nothing. But 
God knows what we can handle. God knows what we can bear. You see, when we look at Paul's life, anybody superficial would have given up walking for God ages ago. But Paul knew his God. He knew his Creator. He had a walk and an experience that he could not deny. I'm sure there were times that he wanted to say, this can't be right, this can't be true. But he knew. He had an experience with God. He had God speaking to him. He had Jesus teaching him. He knew that he knew that he knew that he was walking for God. And that is what kept him going. When everything seemed to be going pear-shaped, when everything seemed to be going against him, he had that relationship. He had that knowledge inside. He had that walk, that consistency with God that he needed to have. And so he walked on because he had a cause. He had a deep knowledge and relationship with God that kept him through thick and thin. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, or a little bit further back in 11, Paul is saying, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he gets to the most important thing, in what he is saying. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He was a man who knew what following God meant. He was a man who knew that he could trust in God no matter what came his way. There is no room for the superficial. There's no room for just looking good on the outside. But God cares about us inside. God cares about our hearts. If I could get someone to the piano, please. If we think that we can fool ourselves and fool other people, then we're really just only fooling ourselves. If we can fool God and we can fool other people, then we're really just only fooling ourselves. You see, we can look good on the outside. We can spend hours just making sure that we've got everything right in our appearance, in, in making ourselves, being able to look spiritual, and that we're in the right place with God. But that matters nothing with God. God looks straight past the appearance. He always has. He made the outside of us, and he made the inside as well. He knows what the outside looks like, and he knows what our inside looks like as well. God is only concerned about what we're like inside. And so I want to invite, if you have found tonight that you have been superficial, or if you haven't been in the right place with God, but you know that you need to be, and you're sick and tired of putting on a show, Putting on a show is more effort than actually getting things right with God. You always have to be careful not to slip up. Because otherwise it will be obvious. But the thing is, you keep doing it and you'll slip up. 
Why don't you make things right with God tonight? See, God cares about our heart. Where is your heart tonight? Where is the inside? Are you full of bitterness? Are you full of envy? Are you full of the things that God doesn't want in your life? And you've tried just to paper over the cracks. And then the cracks get bigger and bigger. And you have to keep papering over. You have to keep trying to put on the front a false front and try to make it better and better as time goes on when it's the inside that needs to change. It's not the way that we appear, but it's our heart. God is calling to your heart tonight. God wants you to be in the right place with Him. The Bible tells us that He loves us. He loves us. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to leave the church. He doesn't want anyone to die without Him. And that's why He calls. That's why He died for us on the cross. We sang about it tonight. We heard about it this morning, those of us who were here. He gave His life for us because He loved you and He loved me. And that doesn't stop. But we need to get real with God. The time for falsehood, the time for putting on a show, that's over. That won't sustain you. But when you come to God with your heart, when you come to God with everything within you, when you come before Him and you say, God, I'm sorry for the way that I've been. Lord, where has my walk been with you? Who am I truly inside? Am I following you or is this just a show? When we come to Him in humility, when we come to Him and just wanting to make things right, then He is always there because He cares about our heart. He cares about who we are inside. Don't be like the Pharisees who are only interested in what they could get, who are only interested in the outside, but have that true relationship with God. Get real with God, and He will get real with you. I promise you that. (laughs) He will get real with you.